You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey folks, welcome to In the Dome. We are sponsored by DraftKings. Now this week we're sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook. If you're in Canada, you can access this. So this is for our American listeners only. If you are in Canada, you continue to use DraftKings for all your daily fantasy sports needs. The NFL is back and DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new players a can't-miss offer for week one. Bet just $1 on any NFL game during the first week of the season and receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. Take advantage of this limited time offer now. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That promo code is THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. For a limited time, only DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older in NJ, IN, or PA only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the In the Dome podcast. podcast, podcast. Okay, uh, a little bit of um, summertime. So let's call this the midsummer mailbag. How about that? Summer's almost over, bro. Like you're in BC, and it's like the leaves are on the ground here in Alberta. Midsummer, I guess it's what mid to late summer mailbag. The point is, it's the middle. Nothing's going on in the hockey world. Okay. Nothing's going on. I mean, did you did anybody expect anything different? Remember when Brad Shilling was gonna make major changes to this team? I think a lot of people were expecting Jack Eichel to be dealt by now. A lot of people obviously haven't uh, studied Brad Shilling's behavior as as I have over the years. I like how was it Friday the the Zadorov and the Valimaki signings are. He's like, oh, I guess I've been. Best better do some work here. It's almost the end of the week. It's like four o'clock on a Friday afternoon. Remember the the summer Kachuk was like holding out and it wouldn't sign. And it went on forever and ever and ever. Fuck, dude, that was infuriating. I was lo- we, we were losing it. And like something else was going. Oh, the Fro Leak stuff was going on. He wouldn't trade for Leak. Wouldn't wouldn't fucking fire do Jeff anything. Warren. Wouldn't fire Bill. Peters. No, that was the Bill Peters. Before. Oh God, what a nightmare. Anyways. So, anyways, let, why, why don't we start with the Zadora Valamaki? That's the only piece of news we got to get to, and then we dedicate this entire podcast to talk about what you guys want us to talk about. All right, go, go Zadora Valamaki. The Zadorov one, or Zadorov, as I like to call him, one was really weird for me. Um, well, I was listening to our um, our podcast where you were 
guessing at what he was probably going to get. You said somewhere your best guess that you that you took a stab at was three times three point five. So you got the you got the AEV pretty accurate. Yeah, that AAV was me guessing. Hey, the Flames are going to buy a few UFA years here, so the price is going to be higher. Like they, this contract walks him right to unrestricted free agency. So, in that case, I mean, it should have been way less. Like it should have been in the two mil, two point five million dollar range. You're not buying any year of of unrestricted free agency, so it's a little odd. However, um, I'm. I am totally fine with it. Like I, I think they paid him too much money for a single year that walks him right to UFA. However, I am all about clearing up as much uh, possible cap space for next off season when you have to sign everybody who's good on this team. So it's weird, but I mean, the less money that is allocated to people not named Kachuk or Manjapani or Gaudreau, on the books for next season, the better, I guess. I just thought it was curious that the dollar was so high for a single year. Like, I, if it went to arbitration, I don't even know if you'd get that much on a one-year deal. Yeah, probably It's not. just weird. Well, like you said in that same episode, what he what is Zadarov going to argue in arbitration? I mean, he doesn't put up any numbers, offensively speaking. He's just a stay-at-home demon. Like, what's he going to point to? Yeah, is he going to be like, yo, I had, like, one goal last year. Give me four mil. It's kind of weird. So I, I have the highest penalty penalties taken to penalties <laughs> drawn ratio. the worst penalty, penalty differential in the last five years? Give me that sweet four mil. So, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was kind of curious. I thought it was weird. Nobody else really thought it was curious that they're walking this guy right to unrestricted free agency. But, again, I'm totally fine with it just because – I don't want any, if they have three, that's what I was saying last time, the less money that you have available to sign those guys I just talked about, the worse off you're going to be. I'm totally fine not giving Nikita Zadorov money that rightfully belongs to Andre Manjupani or Mac Chuck or Johnny Gaudreau. So sure, whatever. All right, we're going to jump here real quick. We'll come back to Val Mackey in a second because there is a, there's a question from Instagram from Adila Seem. How can the Flames sign Johnny, Chucky, and Monge next season? How does he get it done with all three of them? Because, I mean, you just touched on it. Does he have – obviously, yes. The Zadarov one-year con- – you got me saying it now, Zadarov. It's way better, dude. It is better. The Zadarov one-year contract gives you more freedom, flexibility to do that. Not saying that Brad's – that's his intention here. <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't. All right, it's like this is just a happy coincidence. It's like, oh yeah, I never even thought of that. But given what you can foresee coming off the books next season, how do you answer that question fully? It's going to be really tough. I did the math on this, I think, a couple episodes ago, and I kind of just estimated to kick Chuck at nine million, Gaudreau at eight and a half, Mangiapani at somewhere between the four and a half to five million dollar range. It's doable if you shed some money in the form of a guy like Sean Monaghan or if Jesus exists and and there's any good in this world, Milan Lucic. um, If you do that and you cheap out everywhere else, everywhere else you could do it. The cap's going up. It sounds like about a million dollars. That gives you a little bit of breathing room. So the question then becomes is, okay, well, how do you improve the team otherwise? Because just to get these guys done, 
and most likely moving out some big pieces, you're, you're not going to be much better off. So I, I think it's all going to be dependent on, because we're pretty confident in what the Gaudreau dollar figure will be. Probably starts with an eight. Pretty confident that Matthew Kachuk's deal will probably start with a nine. And then I think Andre Mangiapane is the is kind of the wild card in all of this because he's not taking another bridge deal. There's no way they're going to have to pay for UFA years, um, even though he is an RFA. They want to sign him long term, so it's not going to come cheap if they're going to do that. So I mean, if Mangiapane's contract starts with a five, you are going to be pretty tight against it. As of right now, the Flames have. Uh, for 2023-22-23 season, they have $26.725 million already allocated to their forward group. And that's a lot of money. And they have $15.5 million allocated to their defense. That's a lot of money. And they have $6 million allocated to their goaltending. Also a lot of money. So they have a fair bit of commitments in terms of dollars due to guys in the 22-23 season. So it's not going to be easy. Bradstreet Living is going to have to, you know, do some things. <laughs> do some work. Move some things around, Bradley, in order to make sure those three guys get signed, if that is the intention. Imagine paying Milan Lucic more than Andrew Mangiapane. Well, and this is where it comes back to me, is like, okay, the, the Mangiapane one, ticks me off the most because we just talked about the Kachuk holdout at the time. I remember you and me were quite perturbed and annoyed that it was a bridge deal for Kachuk, that they didn't just lock him up for good at a nice, healthy seven, $8 million number. But Hey, Brad promised him he was going to spend it on the team, which he yeah. never fucking did, which he turned around and acquired Lucic and made huge commitments to guys like Markstrom. So, all right. Um, but this is why we've been banging the drum on Mangiapane getting done, not even last year, but the year before. He should have been locked up a long time ago to a very friendly deal, similar to the one. I don't know why. They had no problem giving Lindholm this deal. Lindholm was only a year older than Mangiapane and honestly had proved shit until he started playing in Calgary. And they just they locked him up to a nice, neat, tidy deal. But then when it comes to Mangiapane, they've now lowballed him twice. And... Why would Andrew? Man Why is Andrew Mangiapane gonna <laughs> move an inch on this next deal when he's done nothing but bet on himself and he's proved everybody or he's proved himself right over the past two seasons? So just ticks me off, pisses me off that you know they didn't deal. He kick, he kept kicking this can down the road and yep. giving Mangiapane's money to other people. Mangiapane deserves to get what he's worth. <laughs> If anybody does, Mangiapane does like more than anybody on this team. So, so this this brings me because we're bringing, we're talking about Lucic quite a bit here. Now that's really holding you back. This brings me to another question, Mike Sweeney from Twitter: Would you be in favor of buying out Milan Lucic's contract to create cap space for another top six forward? I think maybe that's what we were talking about here next season. If you want to re-sign all three of these guys, Brower comes off the books and Lucic goes on question mark. I'd hate Lucic's big contract if it gets in the way of a landing Jack Eichel or re-signing Chuck. Well, Mike, is his name Mike, sorry? Yeah. Mike. This is why a lot of us were 
incredibly infuriated and upset when the Flames did acquire Milan Lucic because unlike James Neal, Milan Lucic, Milan Lucic's contract is structured in such a way that is pretty much buyout proof. Most of Lucic's money has already been paid to him in the form of uh, in the form of signing bonuses. So the Flames aren't even going to really would not be saving that much. They'd be saving in the like half a million dollar range if they were to buy Lucic out. You'd got to think that if you're a shrewd GM, and obviously this was Chirelli's signing, but if you're taking even what looks like to be a potential risk in a long-term contract on an aging player, you better damn well make sure you can buy him out. Well, that was one of the things I was, I was happy with the Coleman deal. I was like, well, at least they could buy him out if they, they really needed to. It's like, that's the point. That's where we are in, in this life cycle of the flames is like, okay, at least when he falls off a cliff in three years, we can buy him out. Ooh, thanks. God. Thank God. That's the, that's the bar. That's the bar here in the NHL with these GMs. They keep getting away with it. So to answer Mike's question, answer Mike's question. Through Mike's question, um, it, it buying him long as you doesn't actually take that much off your books. So here, here's what it would break down. If you bought, bought out Lucci's next, next off season, as you're suggesting, the savings in the 22, 23 season would be, Ooh, that's creepy. Six, 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 six. Whew, 666,000. So the, the cap hit on Milan Lucic, if you were to buy him out next year, would be $4.666 million to not have him play for you. Honestly, the best way, if you, if you wanted to move out Lucic's money, would be to send him somewhere with a sweetener. Find some poor sucker like Pittsburgh, apparently, that yeah. was interested in him. I don't understand if that was, that's, that was probably the difference, though. We're sitting here like, yeah, if there's any party that's interested in remotely, then yeah, you you sweeten the pot in order to move that contract. But Brad's probably like, no man, this guy's like our leader. Blah blah blah. It's too valuable. To this, captain. To this, too valuable. To this locker room. Yeah. Most so likely. you got to get somebody else to take him. And I mean, just one more thing. Like this is why, if you'd been listening to this for a while, I was so concerned about the Markstrom deal and even the Tanev deal to an extent. Is like, okay, that is ten and a half million dollars, right? between Tanev and Markstrom that you cannot give to these guys who need their, who need to get paid and need to improve your team in other areas. It's just the allocation of resources has been, has been as such that the flames have set themselves up really poorly to not only sign all their best players, like the three best players, but to also improve their team next off season. It's going to be really difficult. Hey, but Brad had that money available. He had to spend it, didn't he? It's just burning a hole in his pocket. That TJ Brody money just had to go. So to wrap things up on Zadorov, with with the contract he's given, I think it's pretty safe to say that they're slotting him in the top four, uh, most likely in the second pairing. Like that's yeah. that's where they see him playing this entire season. I think they're slotting him in the top four, and honestly, it kind of just feels like. Maybe they're just using, well, again, this is Brad Schliving. He can never give up defensemen. But it feels like this is a one-year thing for Zadorov. If it works out, maybe they just let him walk and, and get his payday somewhere else. If it doesn't work out, 
maybe Brad Schliving does something that he never does and actually sells at the deadline and maybe recoups the pick that he gave up for him. Um, but yeah, it seems like they're counting on him in a top four role, which, okay, we'll see how that goes. Again, really good defensively, but takes a lot of penalties and doesn't contribute anything offensively on a team that we know is going to be pretty challenged to be, to be scoring a lot of goals this season. So we'll see how that plays out on the same thread of defensive. We had another question from Jacob Carter from Instagram. How bad or good is the defense, the decor, if two of the following three players have a breakout season in Hannafin, Anderson, and Valimaki? So if two of these guys have a breakout season, how much better is is the defense? I mean, it's not terrible. You've already said this. I would say one for sure. I think probably two have to have a breakout season if you want this team to be really competitive. Exactly. Like, it's not that, oh, if, then, like, they have to. Hannafin and Anderson need to be nothing short of, like, fantastic for this team to do anything this season, I think. Um, Because those are two of your top, like, they're counting on Hannafin most likely to be their number one defenseman, like, with Chris Tanev on their top pairing. It's not a matter of, like, okay, they won't be bad if those guys like they will be they will be crushed if those guys don't break out and not even break out in Anderson's case, not be terrible and bounce back and get back to a level we've seen him play at before. Yeah. And I think it is you're sitting here looking at this and you're saying, well, two of these three defensemen are in the top four. They're in the top two pairings. And like I mean, so, arguably you could say Valimaki probably should be in the top four over Satorov. So you, like, you would like in, in if everything goes well, you would like to see Valimaki finish in the top four this season. That that's the stride he should take. I really hope that you like Sutter knows the importance of player development. Yeah. We're convinced that's why he brought in Kirk Muller. It's going to be interesting, interesting to see how much of an impact Kirk can have, especially on this decor. Cause I mean, if you're looking down the lineup, yes, we need to be able to score more goals. This coaching staff needs to be able to extract all the goals. They got to squeeze all the orange out of these players. Dubé needs to step up his goal totals. Monaghan. Let's like some have some sense of resurgence, bud. And then the, the D needs to take a serious step forward this season. Yeah. And I mean, if you all know my thoughts, that worries me. I think the, the kind of the linchpin in all of this is, is Rasmus Anderson because as God awful as he was last year, I do think he has a lot more potential than, say Noah Hannafin does because I mean Kent mentioned this Hannafin's played 400 games in this league like is there is there any more developmental runway like I keep hearing this from people it's like oh just wait Hannafin oh he's only 24 only 24 it's like he's played for he's played more Blake games than Blake Coleman for shit's sake like I think the guy is what he is at this point and he is a, like a middle pair defenseman so I think a lot of the hopes and dreams of the Calgary Flames rest with Rasmus Anderson getting his shit together this season. Yeah. And I would, I would also include Val Mackey in that conversation. Yeah, for sure. So it's not like you look, you lost your best defenseman, Mark Giordano. Tana was probably your better defenseman throughout the entire season last season. But if you want offensive contribution, I mean, Gio's going to take the cake on Tana all every day, all day. So, I mean, you're losing how many goals from the back end for Mark Giordano. Oh man, 
if you're looking at what you lost and you're looking at what you hope is going to work out, I think Val Mackey is a big part of part of that equation as well. Yeah, totally. Bringing us to Val Mackey, he signs a two-year deal of annual AEV of uh, 1.55 mil. Uh, good deal. I know Sutter was quite hard on Val Mackey last season. I thought he was okay. <laughs> um. I, I never really under, I, I kind of understood to the extent why he wasn't playing, but in like Nestorov was playing, but it's a fine bridge deal for a guy who's only 22. So you can't, can't complain about this one. Let's uh, why don't you bang off a couple of your, on your list here and we'll, uh, we'll get them. We'll let's get this mailbag rolling. Mailbag is rolling. Okay. Well, <laughs> here's a question near and dear to our heart from, Philly 13 on Instagram. Who do you replace Brad with and when? <laughs> it's not a question of if it's a question of when. Let me do a well, quick Google search of Boston pizza, general managers, Calgary. There we go. <laughs> All right. Who's the lucky. You probably, they probably just pull a name out of a hat at this point. eh? Totally. I don't know. The flames and GMs seems to be a weird one. To, to me like i mean you could ask me who i want and who i want the venn diagram of who like i would want as a person who's obsessed with analytics and shit as opposed to who the flames would hire like there would be no intersection on that diagram so i mean i i the guy who kind of like stands out is is mike fuda from he was with the kings for a while i think he's their assist, assistant gm He's had some really good draft history. He was he was kind of around in the Daryl Sutter era. That would be that would be my kind of yeah, that'd be a good guy. And like, I mean, we're pretty much on record as it should have already have been done. Like Brad shouldn't have already been given this much rope. But if you're talking realistically, probably to a year, the next offseason would be when you would do it theoretically. Yeah. If you're, I mean, we talked a bit about hindsight in the last podcast with Kent. Given everything that you that you can kind of strip back and see what this management is doing from the ownership to the general manager, including coaching and the direction they're trying to take this to have some sort of salvage of this, this roster, what's left of it. Do you still think they should have run with the same game plan with the new GM or do you, does it make sense that it's kind of like, Hey, as much as we hate losing and missing the playoffs, and when it happens again, it's going to be just as devastating. Does it make sense to have him have one more kick at the can or maybe even play out the last two years of his contract? Yeah, it, it makes sense. And it's kind of like, at this point, what would be the point, right? Yeah, I think that's kind of what, 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 uh, what Kent's stance was in a lot of this stuff. It's like, sure, if they make the playoffs – Big deal. Like when you face Colorado or Vegas, what are the actual chances? I mean, Montreal did it, but then they got spanked in the finals. So I really liked his his perspective on you got to try and be one of the top five teams in the league because you only have a one out of five one out of five shot to make it. You got to be competitive for those five years, and hopefully it works out. It's just like playing the law of you know the numbers, the stats giving yourself a legit opportunity. But if you're looking at this roster, it's like you're praying, you're hoping for a miracle. You're hoping the only way this team 
goes to the finals and A and B potentially wins a Stanley Cup is a complete miracle Cinderella run, like one for the ages with this current roster. It would be the most out of the blue success for since the Flames like won the West last time. So and knowing the West, knowing the Flames, they'd win the Stanley Cup and like completely abandon the style of play that wins them the cup. So we didn't like that. Unless you can make a Jack Eichel acquisition happen and just knock it out of the park. Unless you can knock a trade out of the park for once and improve your team in the way it needs to be improved for once and get significantly better for once, then, yeah. Here's a player who would make our team significantly better. Jay Frey says, Vancouver is running out of cap space. Does Brad, well, this is a two-part question. Should the Flames offer Sheet Pedersen? Does Brad offer Sheet Pedersen? Does Brad offer Sheet him? No. Should they? Hells yeah. Screw, so Jack, this, screw Jack Eichel. This is a question from J Frey seven seven. Yeah, you said that Instagram. Oh, okay. Well, walk us through this offer sheet thing because the last time someone <laughs> attempted to make it was it not Jay Feaster and he completely blew it up. <laughs> Yo, okay. I I say this a lot. It's like I come on here and like I I you know what? I'll give Jay Feaster some props. This guy had some balls. He was a complete bumbling buffoon. But at least he was like trying shit, right? Complete idiot. <laughs> hey, at least he tried, you know. Can you imagine Jank, how good Jankowski the in the fucking yeah. imagine if Jankowski was <laughs> as good as he thought he was going to be? Listen, eh? like if he was Joe Noon, he would have been so good. But like shit, man. If we had got Ryan O'Reilly, I mean, we would have we would have lost Sean Monahan, but I mean, come on, Ryan O'Reilly. Um well, we would have lost Sean Monahan and not have received Ryan O'Reilly based on the Jay Feaster's oversight. But forgetting all that, we would have Ryan O'Reilly. He's good. Anyways, I don't know. Like, I think so. I I can't. If, if nobody offers sheets, Elias Pettersson, like these NHL GMs are the biggest bunch of idiots on planet Earth because the Canucks are completely wrecked in terms of cap space right now. Somebody could totally do it. Now, Pedersen has what one year left, or is he an RFA? No. Nice, he's up, and he'll be UFA or RFA. He'll be an RFA because he's still really young. I guess if you're a UFA, you're not going to offer sheet him. No. So, like, so what? What are you, what are you this, waiting? So, like, do it. This would have to happen. Do you have to? When can you do it? Well, you could do it right now if you want. But that'd be weird. He would still have to play one more year in Vancouver. No, he's he's an RF. He is a restricted free agent as of right now. Oh, so yeah, he still has a deal to sign before the for, for the next season. There's still a deal that needs to be signed for Elias Pettersson. And, and how much cap space do they have? The Canucks. Well, they have a little bit of relief right now because they uh, they um traded what's his, they traded all those guys to Arizona. They have projected right now just over 10 mil in space. And they got to sign Quinn Hughes. Don't know if you've heard of him. And Pedersen. Both RFAs right now? Both are, are well, Quinn Hughes is actually a, he's a, he's a different contract. So I don't think he is eligible for an for a offer sheet, but he still needs a contract. Um, but they have, to, they have to sign Pedersen and Hughes right now. Um, so they're probably just going to bridge him cheap. But I mean, now would be the time to do it. Like, let's say you come in and and you offer Sheet Pedersen at like ten million a year. You can't do it. 
Dude, you're telling man. me you you wouldn't you're telling me you wouldn't give up what you'd have to give up, which is like what? Like a bunch of draft picks to get 22-year-old Ilias Pedersen? Come on. Like if you offered him, so the compensation would be if the offer sheet AAV, if the contract is between eight, just about eight point two million and ten point two million, you have to give up two first round picks, a second round pick, and a third round pick. I would give that up every day of the week for Elliot for 22-year-old Elias Pedersen. That's like almost as much as Brad gave up for Travis Hamannick, for shit's sake. Do it. But he won't do it. Nobody will do it. No. No one's going to do it. No, it's too risk-averse. One of these days, somebody's going to do it. Somebody's going to do it and reap the benefits. It's going to be Carolina, probably. You know how many Joe Sackick probably Joe Sackick is gonna yeah totally. Stevie Y it's gonna be Joe Sackick Stevie Y totally or the guys in, or the guys in Carolina Stevie Y is gonna wait until the absolute perfect moment to offer sheet somebody and just like make and just get the best player like fuck he, he's gonna do it so well so I mean wouldn't that honest in all honesty though if you're stuck here in our situation you just went through it Brad Trilling last off season did not set himself up for this one. For for the next one, especially you got the, all these, these big your your top three players all need contracts and you don't have a shit ton of money. If 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 and when it finally happens and it says this guy Stevie Y just rakes somebody over, just fucking who's he gonna bend over? It's gonna be like Kenny Holland or some shit. Wouldn't be that, Brad probably. In all honesty, wouldn't that be good for you know fan bases like us, where it's just like good now, general managers get the message. You can't get away with it season after season. If you're not shrewd, then you're at risk. Exactly. That's why it's so annoying that nobody ever does it. Nobody ever makes them pay for their mistakes. And it's probably because this other general manager is like, well, what if I make that mistake? Because I'm probably going to make that mistake because we're all idiots. So I don't want somebody doing it to me when I'm in a bad situation because I've signed 600 bad contracts. So I'm not going to do it to somebody else. So it's... It's really weird. I I understand why GMs don't do it, but the reasoning is moronic. Like, if you're a team right now, like, the, not even the Calgary Flames, anybody, uh, Ilias Pedersen, who, like, I think people have forgotten how goddamn good this kid is just because he was hurt a lot and had a rough season. He plays in Vancouver. He's going, like, I you, we had this discussion, I think, last offseason. It was like, if you could choose one player to start yeah. your te- to start yeah. your team around like right now you were like Pedersen he's so young he's so good like it just blows my mind that you could if you wanted to go add Elias Pedersen to your team not for free but you could do it like right now any team in the league could do it and like nobody will it's it's insane easily one of the top 10 best players in the league oh 100% when he's and healthy and especially yeah. especially at that age right and i mean come on little like He's telling me he's not buddies. He's buddies with Jacob Markstrom. Sure, he's buddies with Tanev. You you think you'd shit your pants at a Jack Eichel, Johnny Gaudreau combination? Can you imagine Johnny Gaudreau feeding Pedersen? Dude, fuck right oh. off. So, he's long buddies story with, short. He's buddy with Lindholm, too. Yeah, that's right. It's like, Elias and Elias. Instead of bringing in all of Lindholm's dumb friends, like Nordstrom, Get one of his good friends. One's Elias and one's Elias or whatever. I saw him on a. Yeah, I seg- saw them on a little together. NHL thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
So obviously, yes, you should, but no, they won't. But that is it's like our life. answer for everything. Eh? It's the whole, yeah, pretty much. This is the whole premise of this show. Here's what they should do, and here's why they're not going to do it. That's pretty <laughs> much what it comes down to. Um, I did want to add one thing on to the last question, though. Who do you place with Brad and when? Um, because, again, here's what you would like, but here's what they'll probably do. It does not seem like they're grooming... Um, Conroy to, to be the, the replacement eventually when, when Brad Schleving moves on? It kind of does. I would kind of be against that. I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm not privy to stuff, but I don't know. Conroy seems like he's a good guy to have around, but not somebody I'd really want running my team type thing, you know? Like, he's he's the kind of guy who would be more of like a figurehead, like face of, or like, you know? I just don't know if he is the, if he's the guy I would like what has he proven right like he's been here during all this <laughs> meddling bullshit so the flames do like to do their little in-house uh guys who have no proven track record so the other name that everybody wants to hear uh, that i'll throw out there is drill mcginla that'd be tough I mean, for him that'd be uh, he, give me he, he's got some uh, experience to be give me before he yeah, he's gotta he's gotta do what Stevie Y did. He's gotta go learn the ropes first before I trust him in that. But shit, I like come on, that'd be sweet. <laughs> so while we're on the Brad Living topic, which when are we not? But uh, here's another question. Josh uh, Serafini from Insta says rank Brad Living's coaching hires from best to worst. Can you even give him Daryl Sutter? I don't even think you can. That 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 was forced upon him. Yes, I think so. So yeah. we're not even going to give him the benefit of the doubt. That's not even on his. So what do you got? Well, okay. Gullitson, Peters, and Ward. Ward is the worst because just of the context, and it was so goddamn clear that he wasn't the right guy. And yes. that he was like the third swing at it. Don't you agree? I don't understand how you can – your first swings get Glenn Gullitson – and we know, all know how that ended. And then your your third swing is fucking Jeff Ward? Like, you actually got worse in your fucking coaching selection hiring. It's like Ward is a watered-down version of Gullitson. Oh, my God, dude. I mean, oh. it's pretty it's pretty awful Look, when Bill Peters is like, yeah, he was the best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, again, how does he not even get in shit for, like, those things? Like, oh, my God. Yeah, Jeff Ward, the, the idiocy of rehiring Jeff Ward will never cease to amaze me. All right, next question. This is from Ron. He's actually a Montreal fan. Montreal first, but Flames second. During the 04 run, he was cheering on the Flames. He even uh, broke his television when um, it was in. So... Give him, a, give him a bit of a break. Even he's though he's got some cred, I guess. He's got some cred. And we've already stated before, we don't really care about Montreal fans so much because we can't understand what they're saying. They speak and a they, different language. And they leave us alone for the most part. So Because they, they, they can't S- speak a different language. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Topic is uh, Calgary, a playoff team, question mark. What in a perfect world needs to go right for them? Um, maybe we'll start with that. We, if you're looking at the playoff division as a whole, if you're looking strictly at the moves you've made so far, your competition in the Pacific 
is probably the worst it's been in how many years? It feels like it's the worst it's been since like the days of the Northwest division when you're like going up against Minnesota and Colorado was terrible and Vancouver was terrible. Like it's kind of what it feels like, isn't it? It's bad. Because for so long, the three-headed monster of California, like those teams have been so good and now they all suck. And I mean, you have the Sutter factor. You saw, here's here's how I look at it, right? Sure, you have to factor in what your competition is mostly going to look like in that division. It's not great. The best two teams are Edmonton and Vegas. Are they not? Yep. Like you could maybe make an argument that Vancouver, like Vancouver is like the fifth best, fourth best team. Like maybe it's like there's lit- there is literally no excuse for the Flames to miss the playoffs this year. So then you're looking at K. When the coaching hire happened, they obviously went through a, a pretty tough time. Um, for the well, the first week was great, but then the following two stunk. But to round out the season, when the team actually adjusted to the coach and the style of play, they were putting up some beastly numbers defensively, still having trouble scoring goals. Yeah. So that's that's basically the, the biggest sample size you can look at in terms of what to expect next season. But then you also factor in all the things that were missing going into the last season, having internal goals, having goals within goals to help you get to where you want to go, have being prepared, actually having a trade camp. <laughs> Go figure. All I know is that if you take what the sample size Sutter had this style of play, these guys playing at the end of the season and you factor that in knowing that they're probably going to start the season at a similar style of play, similar level of hockey, similar level of hockey. They lose Mark Giordano, but they get Blake Coleman. They had to have a couple other additions that are really suited to the style of play that they were already starting to execute at a really elite level on the defensive side of the game. Anyhow, I think factoring all in all those things with, you know, factoring the division, the competition, what you got to be in the top eight, who, I guess, who are you competing in the central? Your shoe-ins are going to be Colorado, probably Minnesota again. Right. Got to think so. St. Louis, they might be on the bubble. Uh, who else am I missing in the central? There's like Dallas and Nashville. Maybe Dallas seems like a bit of a tweener. Same with Nashville. So you have two shoe-ins probably in the central, one shoe-in, maybe two in the Pacific. So positions five to eight, you know, maybe you you factor in someone's going to have a season coming out of nowhere that's going to be up there. So maybe you're battling for the last two playoff spots. I don't know. Like, well, I, 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 dude, I don't see any scenario unless, like, holy shit, this team just completely falls out. Like, there's no way they are not getting a divisional spot this year. Like, how can, like, how you can you finish on- top like, three? Like, how can you honestly say that the Oilers and the Kraken and the Canucks will be better than the Flames? Like, oh boy. Well, they, I mean, they would be, they would be just like, something has to go horribly wrong for that to happen. You could sit here and say the Oilers make the sense. Oilers for sure because they the Oilers been and the Kraken and the Canucks like at worst the Flames will be fourth in this division behind Edmonton, Seattle, and Vegas. Right, like, unless LA is like all of a sudden really good because they got Philippe Deneau and their young guys are awesome. But 
Shit, man. I think the Flames are a slam dunk playoff team. Yeah, I'm going to say they make the playoffs. I think they're a playoff team with with Daryl Sutter. If they had listen, if they had Jeff Ward is behind the bench, that's another story. Yeah, I would. I don't think it would happen. To be honest, no, no, I <laughs> no one wouldn't. With, with Jeff Ward behind the bench and Milan Lucic, now your your head head guy. I hope he doesn't get the C, but he's you know the 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 oldest leader in that room now. It's not happening. And yeah, like you said, you just have to go back and look at how good they were playing under Sutter those last like twenty games, like. They were really good. They were getting shitty goaltending and couldn't score. But even last year, if if that's an 82-game season or if Bradshaw Living pulls his head of his ass and like makes the coaching change way sooner, they make the playoffs last year, even, even with a terrible start. So if they if they make the coaching hire six games sooner, he probably should have done it in around 13 games sooner because everybody knew the writing was on the wall there. That's when it, and they just waited. If you even did it six games sooner, you probably would make the playoffs. Dude, if you did it two games sooner. Yeah. So like any time, anyways, they're the a playoff team. The second part of the question in a perfect world, uh, what needs to go right for them? That's we're gonna dedicate an entire podcast to that, that uh as a season preview. So hang on for that one. He has a couple more comments. I think Markstrom will be better this coming year and picking up the goalie for Boston will help. Quietly, Brad had a decent offseason. Got to give him the pass for the additions, but still wears the dunce hat for having <laughs> Geo go for nothing. <laughs> Calgary has uh, the making of a, being a tough team to play against. Go Habs, go. Well said. Well said. Okay. Um, why don't we go to – there's a kind of a similar question. Or do you have one you want to hit off? I got one from Hunter here um, from Hunter Campbell 16 on Instagram. Um, A bit of a fun one for you to mix it up. Flames draft pick or free agent signing. You were convinced would work, but never did. Mm. I mean, how about all? How about all? (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, Matthew Kajak was great. Obviously. The the one draft pick that I remember that was like, I I thought he was going to be a good, well, there's a lot, but I remember Emile Poirier when they drafted him, that was the Sean Monaghan year when Jay Feaster was still in charge and he was way too full of himself. I really thought Poirier was going to be good. Um, The other guy, like if you really want to go way back, like not way back, but Sven Berchi, like I still think he could have been good. Like, do you remember when he broke into the league and he was scoring like every game, there was a five game stretch where he scored like every single game. It was unreal. I thought Sven Berchi was going to be great. That was the Johnny Gaudreau draft, and then yeah. he kind of sucked. And, I mean, if you go back, it, again, I, we come yeah. from a time where, like, when Sutter was GM, and it was like the draft picks all sucked, but you always thought they were going to be good. So, like, I remember thinking Dustin Boyd was going to be really good, and, like, Chris Chucko was going to be really good. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's everybody, man. Boyd, was, he had some skill, eh? Yeah, I know. And because he, he just never, I don't know if he had trouble making his way up the lineup or what it was, but he kind of reminds me a bit of you know, the speedster on, on uh, Montreal, Byron. Yeah, he was, he, I thought he could always play. I, yeah, I was, li- I was a, not little, but I was young enough to probably not know totally what was going on. But um, I mean, every time the Flames sign a free agent, I'm like, oh, yeah, it could work out. And now I've learned my lesson. So. You know who I thought was going to be legit good and wasn't was Eric Nystrom. Oh, <laughs> they picked him like ninth overall, dude. Yeah, it's like first first round pick. Oh my god, is like literally like 
I guess he scored that one playoff goal against the Blackhawks, like in overtime or something. I remember that in like 2009, but oh my lord, they've had some they've had some rough ones. The other guy, I guess he was good. Matthew Lombardi was always like, I always thought he should have been better than he was. Kind of if if he could figure out how to score in a breakaway, that guy right? would have what 30, 40 goals a season. Dude, he had so many breakaways, so many scoring chances, and he could like never score no matter what. Anyways, all right, you got one or you want me to go to Instagram again? Let's do Insta, then we'll flip over to me. Oh, man, there's a lot of Eichel talk, but, you know, I, I don't think the Flames are getting Eichel. What are your realistic expectations for this season? A first-round exit, a second-round exit? That's from Hockey Analysis on Instagram. Realistically, like, taking all the emotion out of it, like, what's going to happen? Realistically, if I don't if I don't go to place where I'm like, okay, well they've they're gonna do sh- they've never done shit, so they probably won't. I don't want to go there. Right? I don't want to go on what I've seen from the past. If I'm really trying to give you an honest guess, I'm gonna say second round exit to make it past the first round. Now, I think they're on a collision course with the Oilers for a first round playoff matchup uh, this year, and I uh, think they can beat those fuckers. I was gonna say now. If it's a battle between second and third with Edmonton and that's what it's going to look like to start the season anyway, and that actually happens, and it is a, a you defeat the Oilers in the first round, does anybody really care what happens in the second round? No, I don't give a shit. If they beat like, the Oilers in round one, I'm good. Literally, we should probably <laughs> plan a parade just for that. We'll do it up in Edmonton. Does that sound like a great idea? And listen, like Daryl Sutter has taken the edge off for me. Like normally when I'm watching the Oilers Flames game, I am a mess. If I have to watch a Flames Oilers playoff series, I will not make it out alive. But I have so much confidence, uh, rightfully or not, in Daryl Sutter that I'm like, Sutter will complete over a seven-game series. Daryl Sutter can beat the Edmonton Oilers. I'm like so positive. Yeah. I just, um, I mean, look, we all saw it happen in 04. I'm just at a place now where I'm just like, I just want to see Sutter get into the playoffs. That's all I want. Totally. I don't even care if they scrape in because it's Sutter. Look at his track record in the playoffs. The team goes to a whole new fucking level. So if what we see in the past is an indication of what we might be able to see in the future, just give me Sutter in the playoffs. Okay. Make it fucking happen. All right. I got a couple more good ones on Instagram here. <laughs> What do you think? This comes from MaxDead21. What do you think about possibly trading for Geo at the trade deadline? <laughs> Things that they shouldn't do, but probably will. Let's put it on I, can, like, I would bet money. Like, I wouldn't bet a lot, but I would bet money that they would try to do that. I wouldn't put it on the wrong possibility at all. If, it's if Brad Living, dude. Dude, it's me? Brad Living. If Seattle is not going to make the playoffs, you know, probably they selected Geo too. Flip him at the deadline for somebody for a first round pick. Absolutely, Brad would do that, wouldn't he? <laughs> Why didn't trade a first for which I don't think, I don't know if I would be opposed to. to be uh, no, like straight up, I would be like, that's sweet. I'm glad I want to see Geo again. Yeah, it's like you should have just gave him the first before the expansion draft, right? <laughs> just give us a whole exactly. We should, we should have had him for the whole season. We could have totally. finished higher in the, in the standings. One hundred percent. All right, I got a few more. Do you want to go? Um, Lindsay wants to know, what's your opinion on the goaltender tandem? 
uh, to watch this year. I think she's maybe talking about across the league. Pick a good one, a bad one, underrated one, surprising one. Um, I didn't really do a lot of research on this off the top of your head. Goalie tandem, goalie tandems from across the league. Well, I will say that I am really intrigued to see Dan Vladar. I think he is a low key. I said this on the free agency episode. I think he's a, I think he's a low key, really good pickup. Um, like I, he's kind of got David Riddick vibes and potential to me, where he could just be a really good backup. So I'm actually really curious to see if you know Markstrom cannot be terrible this year if he's not hurt and isn't playing every single night while he's hurt if those guys can actually form a really nice tandem. Um, I think I have always liked Cam Talbot. So, um, you know, I'm a big Cam Talbot guy. So I like him and Kakinen in Minnesota. I'm curious to see what the Avs are like. Like Darcy Kemper is really fucking good. Everybody seems to forget. Like, I think he's an upgrade on, well, maybe, maybe not a huge upgrade on Grubauer, but uh, Kemper and Frank Kuz in, um, out in, Colorado really intrigued me. I mean, just for sheer entertainment value of how bad they could possibly be, Carter Hart and Martin Jones in Philly, like holy shit. That could be that could be hilariously bad. I'm actually okay. The one other one I'm really intrigued about is the is the Carolina Hurricanes uh taking Freddie Anderson and picking up anti Ranta. Like that seems like a baller. That seems like probably the best low-key tandem in the league. Ranta is really good. I know Anderson's had his struggles, but maybe if he's playing in a kind of one A one B type role, he could do it. So I'll go. I'll go Carolina as as my low key. <laughs> wow, I'm picking Carolina as something in my favorite, but I'll go Carolina. Okay. Oh, oh, and did she say what was the other one? She said like most fun to watch. Fucking Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen, baby. All day long. Obviously, <laughs> I'll take I'll take them as my bad tandem. I honestly think. <laughs> I think on paper they are the worst tandem in the league. Are they not? Oh, it's not even close. Like they're so bad. Like so that does that really mean it's good then, Lindsay? I mean it's it's a, it's a good bad, right? I mean, like honestly, Carter Hutton and whoever the backup in Arizona will probably be better than Mike Smith and Koskinen. Hilarious. Ser- seriously though, for the surprising one, I'll go with Seattle. Um, they picked the, so they picked up the guy from Florida. They got, again? they got, oh yeah, Dreger. He's really good. They got Dreger and Grubauer. That'll be a really solid pairing, actually. And then they also picked another up and comer, didn't they not? They scooped up somebody else, too. They did. Because, because they traded, that's, we're talking about the draft, and they traded for Grubauer as well. They're just it was, collecting. It was the there. Ottawa guy. It was Decord, right? I still think I think of somebody else, too. Yeah, I think they got Joey Decord. And I mean, they signed Grubauer, so. For uh, Nashville, I'm gonna or for the good one. I'm gonna yo tell you Nashville what, could be sweet, man. I'm gonna tell you what you want to hear, Lindsay. Nashville's gonna have a good tandem. UC UC Soros, legit With, number one. David he, Riddick, so like you said, Soros is now legit. He's legit. It's not even like like talk about developing a goaltender for the perfect timing to replace your your last franchise goaltender. Like Nashville knows what they're doing over there with goalies. So now you got the same situation, Saros, legit number one with Dave, an actual legit backup role. I mean, we know he thrives in a legit backup role. Nashville is going to have, what, full capacity? You tell me Dave's not going to fucking thrive. Dude, Dave is going to love Nashville. 
so I'll say say that maybe the underrated one I'm going to go with Vancouver um, picking up Halak. I think Halak's really going to bolster um, Demko. Uh, we'll see how it works out because I think Demko is one of those guys that plays more with high volume shots. He's going to be having high volume shots to deal with with that defense. You mean with Hamannick and uh, OEL and Tucker Pullman? <laughs> Yes. Ooh, that's gonna be rough. All right. Lindsay's a big uh goaltender lover, so all right. I hopefully, got one. uh hopefully Vladar is, is gonna be your next Riddick. Lindsay. I, I should have brought this up in the Oilers playoff conversation, but uh Matt Flynn on Instagram is asking what's the best way to play the Oilers? Shut down 97. Shut, I don't know. Go back and watch the tape against Winnipeg. Although, if you if you're looking at, you know, the breakdown of the, of the underlings throughout that series, maybe, maybe if you play that game, that series again, <laughs> maybe it's a different outcome. Everything just kind of went right too. But they obviously shut down McDavid for those first two games. I mean, the, the game plan simple, is it not? Shut down ninety seven, then Drysaddle. The game plan is keep 97 and 29 playing hockey in their own zone. That's the game plan. That's why you brought in a guy like Blake Coleman to be able to do that. Um, move the puck up the ice and get it into the other zone and keep it there. That's how you play them. Like best defense is a good offense against those guys. Cause like that's going to be the game plan for everybody against the others here. Cause their defense is so awful. Their best players are not good at defense. Like I know McDavid was, was strong, was strong kind of in his own zone this year, just cause he had the, puck in the other end so much but dry saddle is terrible at defense there's so many def- defensive inefficiencies on that team to exploit you just make them play defense which is pretty much daryl sutter's system to a t you make them play in their own zone i can love it dude i think i think for the first time in how many seasons the flames might actually match up pretty well against you for once i mean you're yeah, still playing against the best player on the planet so you still have that wild card factor, but yo, all I want is Nikita Zadorov to reinstate the like tunnel of death that Robin or gear had Alex Hemsky flowing through for so many years. Fuck. All I want is for Zad- if, Like if Zadorov does that, I'll be totally cool with him. I want to see him crush somebody. I don't know who it'll be. Like who's the Hemsky? Like, is it dry saddle? I think dry saddle. Could you imagine if it became dry saddle? saddle? It's gotta be. Cause like, I, I, I don't like, I hate McDavid, but I respect what he does. Dry saddle is just a bitch. And like, I want Zadarov to clean that guy's clock so bad. It's probably going to be uh, the newcomer. Hyman. That'll be my guess. Poor Hyman. Hyman's going to be the new guy. Die. Dry saddle is probably too skilled to get caught in the tunnel of doom, but. Drysaddle right. is too dirty to get cut. He'll like he would slew foot Zadorov before he had a chance to crush him. So oh, he'll probably try to cut his nuts off. Eh? Yeah, exactly. Like that's Drysaddle's game. So the other way you beat him is matchups. And finally, <laughs> sit here, not <laughs> terrified by my head coach in losing the matchup battle every fucking night. So as long as Daryl Sutter is at the helm, I'm not worried about either Ford matchups or defense matchups, we might get beat. Edmonton might be the better team, but at least you know it's not going to be because of coaching. Decisions. Yeah, it's not like, what the shit is Dom Simon doing out in the defensive zone against the Jets or the Oilers' top line right now? What are you doing? 
Okay, Britt asked a question. Now that teams get to play outside of the division again, what matchups are you most excited to see? Oh, man, I'm just so glad not to. I don't know about you, but I am so sick of the Leafs and the Canadians oh, and the all those Eastern. The J- if I have to watch the Flames play the Jets one more time, I might throw up. Fuck. I don't know. I'm kind of excited to get the California teams back into action. I've, I've always kind of like watching them play the Ducks and the Sharks and the Kings. Uh, the Drew Doughty stuff, obviously, <laughs> with Matthew Kachuk. Um, so that's going to be good. I'm looking forward to watching them play Seattle. I, I love all the games in Nashville. Um, I mean, to be honest, other than watching Colorado come to town, I, I don't really give a shit about any other teams. So the California teams in Nashville do, do it for me. Wait, wait, you want to watch Colorado? Think That's what I'm saying. I, think, I, I, I like going to uh, plan something that night right now. Actually, <laughs> I like going and like watching in person and just forgetting they're playing the Flames. Like wow. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll agree. I like. I'll, it, I'm really curious to see playing uh, not only Seattle but in Seattle. I think that'll be kind of cool. Yeah, totally. I always enjoy um, when Chicago comes to town. Getting to watch Kane. Look, you get the best of both worlds. Chicago kind of sucks, yeah. but they still have one of the best players on the planet. So you can be entertained by watching them for two reasons. Your team has a good chance of winning. Plus they have some pretty high end talent over there on the other end too. I don't know. Like people get pretty jazzed or they, they did for Crosby and Ovechkin. I think I went to one Washington game. They lost one, nothing. Um, <laughs> I actually, I did go to a Pittsburgh game. In the early days when Dion Phaneuf and and Crosby were going toe-to-toe and, and Phaneuf made Crosby his, his bitch dude in the corner a few times and they won that game. Yeah. So that was fun. But usually I don't like those, those fucking marquee matches because we lose. Yeah, so, we always but. get crushed. I remember I was at the I was at the nine remember the nine one crushing against Pittsburgh when the, the season oh, turned around the year they won did. the West. I was there. Um yeah, that was embarrassing. Yeah, but I agree. I'm glad we're not playing Winnipeg, Toronto, Montreal. Yeah, I don't like playing. I don't really like any of the teams in the East. Like, you know, a lot of people like, bleh, like you really want to watch like, like the Rangers come. Like, no, no, don't like it. I, I like, I like the rivalry teams that are in our own division. Yeah. I'll enjoy when uh, Detroit comes to town. Classic original sixteen that currently sucks. So, <laughs> you know. There's that. And like, holy shit, I, I honestly hate going to Leafs games in the Dome because oh, like, fuck, I am sure most of you are from Calgary and have been there during the Leafs games. And it's half Le- it's half dipshits from Ontario who have come to our city and are infesting it and won't shut up about the Leafs. It's just the worst. So Britt snuck in another question. I don't know how she did that, but she says, make your perfect hockey player, hands, speed, size, temperament, hockey IQ. So we'll do uh, we'll do a speed round here. Um, first, we'll do our own perfect hockey player, and then Brad, your living's perfect <laughs> hockey player. So, give me give me your hand. Who's got the best hands in the league? Who and I say Andrew Mangiapane for all of them. <laughs> no. um, best hands, like okay, are we going like forever or current? We got to set some ground rules here. Let's go current. Okay, yeah, because if it's forever, I'll just say Pavel Datsuk to everything. Um, best hands currently? Shit, I'll go Ilias Pettersson. So who's the best looking guy in the league? We can take this another way. Eh? Who's best looking? 
who's got the nicest hands. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and Lindholm, I, I keep bugging Lindholm on his Instagram. Um, I want him to release his skincare routine. He's got smooth, creamy, delicate, yet, yet masculine hands. Smooth, creamy, yet delicate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ego Pedersen. Um, obviously, I'm going to throw Kane out there. Yeah. I'm going to throw Robert Johnny out there. Those are the obvious ones. I will not go um, to Edmonton. So I'll go with I'll go with uh, Sebastian Aho. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, he's dynamic. Underrated, sick hands. Yeah, totally. Speed again. We can't pick Connor McDavid. Oh wait, wait. Bradtree Living. I think it's pretty obvious. We got him on our team for hands. Brett Ritchie. Old Brett. Old Stone Hands. Brett. That's that's uh, Bradtree Living's perfect hockey player when it comes to hands. You want to throw one in there? Well, I mean, take your pick, Lucic. I mean, I'm Michael Stone. He loves those big, those big workman-like hands, dude. <laughs> I can grip a stick. It's like uh, the lobster, the lobster scene with um, Seinfeld, eh? <laughs> the man, man hands. hands. Brad yeah. loves his man hands. That's Brad. There you go, Brett. There's Brad's selection. We already got them all on our team, so. All right, let's go to speed. Um, who's, I fast, asked... who's faster than Conor McDavid? Um, Matt Barzell, like maybe I don't think anyone has the breakneck speed of McKinnon. David McKinnon. I will take Braden Point because that guy can fucking motor. Yeah, that's a, that's a good underrated sneaky one. I'll go. Uh, I'll I'll keep it closer to home just for fun. Dylan Dubé. Oh, I love it. Just a little shout out to Braden Point. Some of my coworkers got to meet him the other day, and I was sadly not. Present, yeah, you, and I'm pretty upset about it. You take like one vacation every yeah. six years, and that's when he Braden comes to, Point. That's when he comes to work. Shows up, and all the coworkers are texting me pictures. It's like, oh, it's Braden Point. Oh, so mad. So Braden, like, do you, do you know him? He plays in the NHL. <laughs> oh, I almost cried. Cape okay, Bradshaw living for speed. Scott Lucic, right? It's Lucic. I mean, you, you, he, you go, he likes the wrecking ball, right? Like, yeah, he loves that. He, he loves slow. that guy that just goes his, his straight line speed is just it's, great. It, it might start off slow. It becomes an immovable force. So yeah, totally. That that's, that's the perfect hockey player in sense of speed with for Brad. You're living. Totally. <sighs> okay. Size. I'm going to go with just does every, well, here, here's two ways to look at it. You got to take a guy like Sidney Crosby. Average height, but from the waist down, giant ass, giant ass, giant legs, tree trunk legs. That's one way to look at it. I'll I'll throw a Ryan O'Reilly in there for size. For me, perfect size in terms of you know what he brings to the table on the ice. Um, he's physical, he's gritty in the actual true sense of the word, but he also gets it done. I don't care how big you are, you got to be able to fucking put your stamp on the game too. So yeah, I was gonna say, I was gonna say Dougie Hamilton because he's really big and really good at skating. Hey, Dougie. But um, I, I can't not go Crosby because, like you said, he just uses his positioning and his body like so well. Not in just protecting the puck, not in just how he handles the puck or creates offense, but in his skating, just everything he does is like so fascinating to watch because he's just so good at like standing on skates it's a it's incredible so i gotta go sit 
Yeah, for size, I mean, it's Bradshaw Living is already proven out this summer. He's probably his wet dream, eh? Getting no, no, he, 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 like, uh, look, let's give Brad, he, he can go for the little guy. He likes the little guys who are big and slow. Likes the nice combination of small and slow. <laughs> no, okay. Like, oh. uh, how, like, Brandon Bowley, that's, that's what I'm thinking of. Like, not too big, Troy, but. Troy I, Brower. Yeah, those, those mid-sized guys who are really slow. And suck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, temperament. I don't know exactly what you mean by temperament, but I think Matthew Kachuk's have the perfect temperament for me. I want a guy that plays on the edge. Brad or uh, Brad Marchand. Do you have a problem with these guys? Absolutely not, dude. I love Drew Doughty, man. Like I love, I love that shit so much. Don't you? Yeah. Like I like, love, I love how Doughty plays. Like he gets so mad. Like, like there's what a small handful maybe two handfuls of guys in the league with that sort of temperament yeah but uh tom wilson one of them he's a bit of a dick maybe he's yeah he's like a dick stick he he, (laughs) a dick stick Mm. yeah he's he's over the top for me but when he when he plays within the boundaries i like his game but fuck some of the shit he was doing at the end of last season like I don't don't, that's not killing like killing people yeah slamming guys face into the ice repeatedly and then doing it the exact same thing 10 seconds later and then fuck i'll give you a kind of off the board temperament one if guinea malkin doesn't give a fuck and he's pretty mean and he's pretty nasty i like if guinea malkin i'll give you another off the board one phil kessel oh hells yeah <laughs> totally totally talk about doesn't give a fuck look if you want to go i'll just throw this in there just because it came to my mind if you want to go all time it's Jerome mcginla like because the guy is an animal, but Fuck yeah. uh, I'll, I'll go Malkin just because like he is low key, um, really tough and like doesn't give a shit and will go after guys no matter what. So Malkin. Okay. And Brad's going to select Michael Stone. So, no, it's got to be somebody who's really nice. So yeah, Stone. Who else is really nice? I mean, Gio's got a pretty good temperament for Brad. <laughs> That's true. Just like the nicest guys. Those are who he likes. Backlund. All right. Last one. Last one. Hockey IQ. I mean, it's got to be. What? Sidney Crosby. I hate to say it, but Connor McNeckbeard. I don't even know. Like, okay. Connor. This is where. I, 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 guess, I guess you have I, to be yeah, good at defense too, right? The thing is, though, Connor just like, I don't know. I'm totally talking out of my ass here. Connor's so good. It's ridiculous. But it does feel like Crosby makes a lot of plays that, like, McDavid kind of feels like he operates on sheer, like, raw talent force, like, blows by everyone. Holy shit, did you see that? Whereas a guy like Crosby, I would say that's a fair assessment. Yeah, where a guy like Crosby or, like, even Drysaddle, even, like, Johnny Gaudreau is, like, they're making plays that, like, a not, not a lot of people would even see as possible plays. So I think there could be a distinction to be made in terms of, like, actual hockey IQ, like, in terms of seeing the game and how it's, like, um, unfolding. Because, I don't know, McDavid is just so good. He just, like, the other guys are, like, pylons. He doesn't even need to be smart. He just can blow by everybody. I think you're obviously you probably got to look at some of the top two way players, right? Because yeah, Mark, sure. Mark Stone, yeah, Patrice, Patrice Bergeron, Patrice Bergeron totally. even Brad Marchand. Right? Oh, yeah, Marchand's, yeah, totally. Marchand, got, Bergeron, 
Who's got the highest IQ on the Flames? Got to be, <laughs> be Johnny. It's got to be Johnny. Like, it's not even close, really. Chucky, Chucky has a really high hockey IQ as well. He just has trouble executing it sometimes. Or does he? I'm gonna go between. The, I'm gonna go between the legs again. <laughs> 150 million times. Well, when, like when Kent mentioned, when he's playing meat, meat and potatoes. Yeah, when he's playing fuck. his brand of hockey, there's not a lot of guys who are better. Okay, Brad, Brad, you're living his IQ, and uh, we'll move on. Tanner Glass, um, um, James Neal. <laughs> All right, we're leaving at James Neal. Let's move on. Um, well, throw Nate's out there. He was trolling a bit, but if you had to wear one jersey for the rest of your life, who would it be? Zach Cassian or Drew Doughty? You already answered that. Drew Doughty, baby. Drew Doughty, Team Canada jersey. <sighs> Do you want to throw some uh, Zach Cassian hate his way while we're on the topic? I didn't even know. I kind of forgot he even played in the NHL, to be perfectly honest. Like, if it wasn't for Matthew Kachuk, would... I don't know. Anybody even give a shit about the Battle of Alberta? No. Would anybody know who Zach Cassian is outside of Oilers fans and, you know, some Alberta fans? Like, what was he? Remember he was bragging about having 13 goals when all that was going down? I don't know if he's checked, but I'm a first liner. I have 13 goals. Um, Don't know if he uh, knows, but uh, 13 goals <laughs> this season. So what did he end up with? Like 14. What a loser. <laughs> Seriously, I would never wear that guy's jersey. No, ever, not even once. Could he I was, wear? That's, what, I, I that's wear? what I never understood about the whole situation. Is like he's a f- piece of shit. Like, why would anyone take it? So, how is Matthew Kachuk the the rat between those two guys? Like, oh shit! He's eh? a total asshole. Always has been. Three games later, uh, he's like kicking guys in the chest. Exactly, and everyone's like still talking about how much a rat Chuck is because he like hit him clean. Oilers are just trying to defend Cassie and kicking. Kick. Well, wasn't it Coleman? It was Hedman, I think. It was somebody on the lighting. I think it was Coleman. Coleman beats his ass this year, then. Nate, can I wear a Drew Doughty Team Canada jersey? Is that allowed? Yo, I would wear one of those new reverse retro Kings jerseys. Oh, those sweet. Are, those are sick. Yeah, I like Drew Doughty. I'm on record as saying that. I like Drew Doughty. You like the. You like the rivalry. And I've always liked Drew. He's just a guy who doesn't give a shit. I appreciate that. All right. What do you got left on Insta? All right. I've got an actual um, Robert who runs, I think, a Ring of Fire on Twitter. This is the last one for, well, maybe we'll, we'll do one more after this, but he he's trying to pull some positives out of us here, which I don't know if you listen, Robert. We don't do that very often, but what are some of your most favorite Slash memorable games of the tree living era, 2014 to 2021. Oh boy. I mean, there's really only a handful. Johnny Gaudreau tying the game against Anaheim with like yeah. 20 seconds left and Michael Backlund winning in an overtime. Obviously game six in 2015 against the Canucks for Matt Sajan scores the game winning goal. Those are the two absolutely obvious ones. I mean, it's been few and far between <laughs> other than those ones. I mean, there is a plenty of games in the 2018-2019 season that were just a genuine pleasure to watch. The game where they lost the Lightning in, was that a shootout or overtime? Yeah. Yep. That was phenomenal. Two best that teams epic. going at it. That was fun. Um, I would say just the Johnny Money era, too, as a whole. Because yeah. at the time when they came in on the team, it's just like, yeah, sure, Money was a high draft pick. Johnny didn't really know. He looked like he was exciting. But when those two started 
actually making, having a success, putting a successful career together and it translating into the team actually winning. Yeah. Um, I think the takeaway is that's, that was, that's kind of the best thing that's happened um, in Brad during Brad Children's tenure. And then I would say the Matthew Kachuk slam dunk, somehow we end up with Matthew Kachuk and then it turns into who he's been and those battle of Alberta's. Yeah. And, the, and like those, like there was some good games in the, um, 18 19 season, you mentioned it at Tampa when I was there. Johnny ties it late. It, I think it was 6 5. They lose in overtime. Yeah. Um, or maybe it was a shootout. I can't. Well, I remember the overtime. Deming was in net for the Lightning. And the Flames, like Monahan and Goudreau, had like 20 shots, like point blank. And Louis Deming was like fucking incredible. And they couldn't beat him. And they ended up losing. I think it was maybe Miller scored the OT winner. Yeah, JT. Oh, and then some of those Nashville games, right? Yeah. You mentioned that. But, yeah, I would say the Monty Johnny. There's one game that I went to probably four seasons ago where uh, San Jose came to town, and they just – they had a four like eight-point night between the two of them. They scored four unreal, just sick, sick goals doing their thing. Yeah, one other game that stands out is the New Jersey game. I think they won, like, nine to four. And, like, Gautreaux had, like, eight points, like – I think he had eight points. It was something ridiculous. He might have had seven, but it was like he had seven points. It was insane. They scored nine goals. But yeah, it's pretty much Johnny Gaudreau and Matt Kachuk. Or or okay, how about this? Now some more are coming back to me. Yeah. Remember, I thought of one other one too. Colorado comeback. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. Where James Neal actually looked like he might do something all season. Did you so Valimaki pegs that oh, guy at the blue line? Donnie to Neil, top shelf, and then Geo scores the winner. Yeah, that was awesome. Oh my god, that was awesome. And like game game one against Colorado. Yep. That was fun. Did they, they won that one? <laughs> they won. It's like Remember? they're the they're the favorites. People have them picked Stanley Cup. Smith was like insane. They win game one. You're like, holy shit, here we go. Yeah, Manjapani no. had that sweet goal. It was awesome. And then it all was downhill for the rest whole franchise. From that well, even forward. though game two went to overtime, did it not? And Backlund had a chance to ice it. You lose an overtime. Imagine if you went up two one, two nothing. Yeah, Going. that game went to overtime, and then McKinnon completely wrecked us. So thanks for the memories, Robert. Yeah, I'm thanks, all, I'm depressed, dude. Thanks, Robert. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> it's not his fault. Trust me. It's one of those things. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> it's not him. It's us. <laughs> we can't help it. Uh, we just get dark every time. Okay, Shamin Chris wants to know, if you got to choose uh, to work GM for one NHL team that wasn't the Flames, who would it be? What's the first move you would make? Um, somewhere sunny and tropical. Or Vancouver, because I like the coast. That's how I think. See, I'd be one of these hockey players or general managers who would go A, where the money is. I'm not like you pure folks who would be like, I want to play where hockey matters and stuff. I want money and I want nice weather. Um, So I think Tampa Bay would be nice. I think Anaheim would be really nice. Low pressure. You can be Bob Murray and suck your job for 20 years and still keep your job. So um. We're I'm, talking. Totally, I'm, I'm totally opposite, man. I'm yeah, gonna give, know. Me, give me hockey town. I'm a, I don't even want to be the GM. I just want to be fucking Steve Eiserman's assistant. Tell me what to do, Steve. 
Give me like a data entry role for the Anaheim Ducks or the Florida Panthers, although the Florida Panthers fired all their computer boys. Like See, yeah, that, ago, that's so. so weird. Eh? Like you, you want the cushy fucking whatever. I'm like, I want the most raw. <laughs> Give me. I want to go to Philly. I want to be good in Philly. <laughs> yeah, right? but job security, man. You get torn to shreds in Philly. They're too high a standard. I don't care, man. High or low, I'm fucking all all in. Ride or die. I'd be going to Florida with Sam Bennett or Nashville with Dave Riddick. Or honestly, like, honestly, if a if a competent GM was in Vancouver, like. They could have such an unbelievable team if you just made a few moves that weren't absolutely insane. No shit. Eh? So I'll go. I'll go Vancouver just to keep it in Canada, and you're on the ocean, and with a team that could be good with some decent management. What's, what will be the first move you're going to make? Can I undo every move Jim Manning's made and then sign Pedersen and Hughes long term contract? Somehow, that was your yeah. That's, that's what I would do. I'd 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 shoot Oliver Ekman Larson to the moon in a rocket ship, and then sign Elias Pettersson for uh, eighty million dollars. This next one should be quick. Will uh, the Burning Leaf podcast Russo wants to know? Will Goudreau Eichel Kachuk be the league's best line next season? I think it's a yes. Don't you? No. Because it's not going to happen. <laughs> no, because Jack Eichel will be the best line in the league. Will be Curl uh, Kaprizov, Jack Eichel, and uh, Marco Rossi or something. <laughs> It'll be Mark Stone. Oh, no, he's a man. It'll be uh, Stone, Jack Eichel, and uh, Patrietti. Take your pick, Patrietti Carlson. Yeah, sorry, Russo. McPuffin wants to know how serious the concerns that there is sourness between Kachuk and the rest of the players. We spent an entire episode on this. If it's true, that's the most serious thing I can think of in what flames history. Is there anything more serious than that? Other than like Craig button, almost trading Jerome again, because he wanted Michael Pekka. No, this would be a colossal fuck up. Other than buying out Martin St. Louis and trading. Oh, yeah. Zegar and uh, <laughs> Mark Servard. Other than that, other than I guess, that, I guess you could put it up there with in that category. You could put it's it up there with losing San Louis and losing JS Jaguar and losing Mark Savard for sure. Um, I think it again, like you said, if it's true, it's totally serious. I'm totally concerned about it. Nothing concerns me more. <laughs> it's exactly like there's literally nothing else I'm worried about right now. Okay, um, last one for my mailbag. You got anything else left? Um, I've got. One more left, just a general Jack Eichel thing. Okay, do yours. We'll end with mine. Noah, old Noah asks. Noah, what are the odds that Jack the Eichel? Noah, the Noah. What the are the Noah. odds that Jack Eichel sits out this season? Ooh, that's a good question. I, I think, think uh, the very. Longer, I think it's very likely at this. The point. longer this goes, the more likely it is. Because do you think do you think he'll get traded at this point? I don't even know. Like, because the report came out that he's not going to be his injury set. Like, he's not going to be ready to go for the beginning of the season. So, if you're trading for him, maybe you're like hesitating now. Has he even had a surgery yet? Is he waiting? No, he's like the team and him disagree on the surgery. So he wants to get surgery. The team does not want him to get surgery. So he hasn't had his surgery yet. So the team won't let him. That's correct. So I would say it's like. Probably the most probable 
of any holdout since like William Nylander back in whenever he held out until December. Now, now, if it does happen though, Noah, I don't think it'll happen for the entire season. I could see him sitting out to start the season for sure. Yeah, me too. But I don't see it being an entire season. That would just be too much of a travesty. Too much of a loss for too many parties involved. Someone's going to want to pull the trigger and get them on their team. Okay, last question on my end. Uh, Westerns wants to know, where are the best, most reasonably priced tickets at the Dome? Basically, best bang for your buck. Ooh, I don't mind, mind up high if it's a good price. Look, if you're going to sit up high, the only place I can stand sitting up high on, on the press level is in those three bottom row seats. Otherwise, I'm like, I'm, I don't, I'm at it. Look, if I'm, I'm in age, it. Yeah. I'm at the age now where it's just like, dude, I'm not, I'm not going and sitting in the top unless it's a playoff game. Right. You, exactly. So unless best, I absolutely have to, but then price wise, you're looking at the same price as the middle of the dome, anywhere in the middle of the dome. In the, in the middle bowl is a good spot anywhere. So oh, totally. Like I, I usually sit, I, I usually don't sit at the ends, like in the, in like two Oh fives, two nineteen. I think we I, sat there. We sat there once and it was okay. I like sitting at the end where they attack twice. That's, that's where I get my most kicks. Yeah. So like the, the two twenty two to two sixteen type. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I think I, yeah, unless it's a game you really want to go to and they're sold out, it's not worth it to sit up in the press level. It's just like, honestly, compared to other ranks, it's actually not bad. The site, it's an old rank. So the sight lines are pretty good and stuff, but I mean, you spend like what? 30, 40 extra bucks and you can at least sit in the oranges. That's you. Yeah, that's usually what I do. The best bang I've found for my buck is go to a lower key match up during the yeah, week totally and sit in the lower bowl yeah like uh and you get one of those what seat geek whatever you it go is, to seat geek or stub hub and find a good like i've i've sat in section like 102 right behind the glass for like a 100 bucks against like the canucks yeah the best way to do it if it's tuesday night there's a game and it's like three in the afternoon you're like fuck i kind of want to go to the game tonight yeah let me just check up the prices oh look at that <laughs> 60 bucks row five done i will say the best place i ever have i've never had season tickets but i bought though like i a lot of my friends do and i'll buy tickets from them but when i was like 12 my friend had season tickets right where the cameras are like right about the the cameras right where the tv cameras are dead center i think it's like 226 like right in the front row that is the best sightline in the whole rank it's awesome yeah ever sit there do it See, that's probably a more realistic question is if you were going to buy a season's tickets yeah, and it was the same price anywhere, would you actually want to sit ice level all season long? I probably wouldn't. I wouldn't. No. Ice level in a corner is like fucking one-time thing. Like it's awesome for, for one game, but like you can't see the rest of the ice. I'd probably, if I was going to buy a season's tickets, go second bowl, lower down second bowl, probably on a blue line, on the attack end blue line. Yeah, twice. Totally. Perfect place. So like 225, 213. I, I know this rink like the back of my hand, unless they've changed it recently. So. And I'll give you guys another tip if you haven't figured this one out yet. If you're pounding beers because they're tall and you got to start pissing every fucking 20 minutes. If you um, are sitting in the second bowl 
and you want to skip the bathroom lineup because as soon as I, I usually don't go during the, the well, the period's going because I can't get back in three minutes, right? Sometimes if you're close, you can run up and do it in a commercial break. But if you wait until the period ends and you want to skip the washrooms, because by the time the, the period ends, the main concourse, the bathrooms are just oh, fine. That's the one reason I can't wait for the new rink. So if, but here's a little, little tip. You walk the stairs up to the press level. Oh. There's never any lineup. If there is it's like four people, but usually you can get up there pretty quick. Sure. You have to make the track up. They don't stand in line for fucking 20 minutes. Or you can be like me and not drink anything and uh, just, you know, sit and have a lovely time and drink, drink a coffee or some water. Okay. Well, you drink coffee. You're going to be pissing. <laughs> yeah. I did the last time I ever ingested anything from the saddle dome. I was like 16 and I got terrible food poisoning and barfed all over the dome. So uh, never again. Okay. That wraps up the mailbag. Anything else you want to throw in? Any last minute things? I don't think so. looks like this is the team, dude. It does. I think he'll make what? One of those PTO things. He's going to do one more little stupid thing. That's it. Look, we've we've gone through this for seven years. I mean, you know the drill. We can predict what's going to happen by looking at what he's done before, again, time and time again. Anyways, um, not a lot going on in the summertime. We're working on getting getting another cool guest on for next week. We'll see if it pans out. Um, but we'll probably start doing some uh, preseason preparation stuff as we roll into September. When does training camp start? Um, early October, does, or no, late September, I think. It's a little later this year because the season doesn't get started for like, what, two months, 55 days I saw today. So might be later than usual. Hey, fall is right around the corner. And then uh, we know what happens once fall hits. It's, it's almost go time. Hey, you made it. It's the end of the podcast. If you liked this episode, please do us a favor. Take a sec and leave a rating and review on the Apple Podcast app. You can help us grow the audience and introduce some more unfortunate Flames fans to the show. So do it. Do it. Super easy. Just takes a second. Just tap on the show, scroll down, leave a rating slash review. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We will see you on the next one.